Cool. Welcome everyone to another week of The Bible Boys. Uh, I'm Pip, this is James, and we're keen for another week getting to the Bible with you all. Now, this is going to be the very last episode of this season. The first season of 2021. That's right. The year of our Lord. Yes, and we're going to take a short break after that, a couple weeks maybe. We'll see how we go. But, so you um, can uh, catch up on all the episodes that you have missed if if you don't listen sequentially, we know that most listeners listen sequentially for some reason. Uh, it's fine. You can you do you. You, uh, do, you do you. That's right. Uh, if you're wondering what is the Bible Boys, maybe a friend has recommended this podcast to you and you're like, what is this about? This is what we're about. We're about the Bible, right? And we're two boys. We're two boys. We're like, we, we get into the Bible. We talk about the Bible. We read the Bible. We discuss what we've been reading. Um, but there's a little bit of um, something, something. There's a little bit of secret sauce, which I'd say a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christian podcasts out there that you could be listening to That's right, right now. That's but you've right. chosen to listen to this one, and I think maybe it's because of the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is the secret sauce. You might describe it as that indefinable uh, sense of guile. <laughs> <laughs> the secret X factor. <laughs> um, maybe you know, um, you know, we're not particularly untoward. <laughs> Uh, oh dear. Anyway, Jay, should we just get into well, it? Well, actually, before we get into yeah, it, yeah, I was going to say, um, uh, here at St. Paul's, one of our ministers, Mike, has recently started listening. Oh, he has. Shout out to Mike. That's right. And uh, every now and then over the last few episodes when we say something, I sort of just imagine his face yes. and uh, he goes... Why are you saying that? Mike does this. For those of you who know Mike, you'll know that he does this thing where he kind of raises his chin a bit when he disagrees <laughs> with you. I imagine he's doing that most of the time. That's right. When that's he's right. listening to this. <laughs> well, Mike, we love that you're listening. We yes. love all of the listeners and the viewers who are listening. And one of the ways we can love you is to respect your time. <laughs> Let's get into the Bible. Let's get into the Bible. Uh, James, what have you been reading in the Bible recently? Yes, it's a great question. And you know what? I have been reading... Um, I'm continuing on still with Revelation. I've, I've been uh, going through Revelation for three weeks now. Yes. Which makes sense. I'm in chapters 20 and 21. So okay. that's good. Nearing the end. That's right. That's right. But one of the things I wanted to, to take a look at is Revelation chapter 12. Okay. So let's open up to Revelation uh, chapter 12. Uh, and um, Now, Revel- let's do some quick trivia. Revelation was written by... Are we doing a serious answer or a joke answer? No, serious, serious, serious answer. Serious answer. Revelation was in most likely uh, written by John the Apostle. Yes. The Apostle John. A revelation that was given to him by Jesus Christ. And this revelation was given to Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, by God the Father. Now, what do you think of this idea that, that John was likely the last apostle to... The last of the twelve to, yes. to die... Um, and this was like the last thing written in the series of New Testament. Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. Yeah. So most people would date Revelation, as I understand it, uh, around the 90s. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Mm. Or CE, Common Era, if, mm. you, if that's your jazz. Yes. Um, so around the 90s. But I've, I have heard some people suggest that Revelation was written pre-70 okay. AD. Okay. Now, you look like you want to say something about this. No, 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 no. Well, I was just going to say, if John, if, if, if Revelation was written pre-70, mm. maybe John wasn't the last apostle okay. who was alive. There you go. I'm not sure. But I think most people think it's in the 90s AD. Well, whenever it was, 
it sure is a good book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you want to share from chapter two? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, what, are we, what are you setting up here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you want to read from chapter 12? Yeah, thank you, thank you. So we're here in Revelation chapter 12. Um, and it's interesting, there are a few characters here, right? So let me read a few of the first few verses. Uh, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. So we've got three characters here. Mm. We've got this pregnant woman. Yeah, there's, there's this child that she's about to give birth to. And in verse 5, it says that she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And then you've got a dragon. So a woman, a child, a dragon. And there's a lot of symbolism of what's going on here. There is uh, antagonism between the woman and the dragon. Uh, this child is described in royal language. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> But one of the things I wanted to draw from in chapter 12 here uh, was this sort of poem song section in the middle of the chapter okay. uh, speaking about victory over this uh, dragon. Um, and the dragon's identity is clearly identified in verse 9. So let me read from verses 9 to 12. It reads as follows. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Hmm. So this dragon is identified as Satan, the deceiver, and the tempter. Notice how he's called the accuser in verse 10. Mm. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. And so in terms of what Satan does, this poem, this this cry, this loud voice is identifying Satan as an accuser. Mm. An accuser of people and we know from other parts of scripture, for their sins. Mm. And yet this is victory language. Verse 11, they triumphed over him. How? How do they triumph over the accuser? Mm. They triumph over him by the blood of the lamb. Now that one there makes a lot of sense because you go, yes, actually, Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he, he dies on the cross. He cleanses us and forgives us of our sins. So he completely disarms Satan and Mm. his ability to accuse us. Mm. The accusations will come, but we have victory because we have cleansing and salvation through the blood of Jesus. Mm. But then there's something really interesting. Mm. Right afterwards, it's and by the word of their testimony. 
Mm. Really interesting. So I get that the blood of the lamb disarms the accusations of Satan. How does the word of the testimony of the brothers and sisters um, uh, triumph over Satan? That's my question. So yes. those are some big picture things there. Yes. What do you think about this passage? What do you think about my question? It's, I think it's a good one. Um, let me throw something out there. Huh? Sure. Where And you'll, you'll probably know the answer. You know, where else do we get um, uh, Satan being hurled down, being connected with the testimony of Jesus' disciples being spread? Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Oh, yes. Uh, Luke... 10 or Luke 11? All right, well, I can't uh, remember. Let, let's just take a little detour. Let's take a detour. Let's take a little detour. <laughs> you always laugh when I do that noise. Yeah. Wait, that's from a show, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I got it from. Um, Is it Luke 10 or Luke 11? Um, Luke 10. Luke 10? Yes. Is this right? From verse 18. Okay, yes. Yes. Yes, so the so the seventy or verse seventeen, the seventy two returned from doing some some gospel kind of spreading message of the kingdom. Seventy two disciples returned with joy and said, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name." And Jesus replied, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Um, however, do not rejoice that the spirit submits you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." Um, Nice. So, I wonder if that's connected. That is really helpful. I totally did not make that connection as I, I was reading. I wonder if it is. It might not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but try to connect it for me. So, the, so you know, um, when Jesus says here in Luke, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's like Satan's king. Satan is being brought down. Satan is kind of like being defeated. Right. But it's almost like a progressive... Thing, yes. Uh, you know, as the word goes out, Satan is falling. You know, um, and in Revelation we get, you know, um, the the brothers and sisters, the Christians, um, the believers, overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm-hmm. So, um, in in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew, we see that as the word of the, their testimony starts to go out, Jesus Himself says. Uh, Satan is being held down. I saw Satan held down like lightning. Mm. Um, obviously, we haven't gotten up to the bit with the blood of the lamb, him being... But he's, I think Jesus is kind of using similar language mm. to say, um, you know, Satan's... Def- you're wondering how Satan is going to be defeated. It's going to be defeated by the proclamation of the kingdom of God um, and ultimately the the purchase of the you know people in the kingdom of God by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of Jesus. Um, yeah, so I feel, I feel like the language is too similar mm. to ignore and, yes. to, you know, so, so I'm just building off what you just said there. Yeah. So, um, Satan, who is the accuser, accusing us of our failings, accusing us of our sin, part of what also disarms him and has triumphed over him is the proclamation, the testimony of the kingdom of God mm. in the face of that. The kingdom is still growing because the message is still going out mm. and he can't stop it. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Which actually makes sense as well with where the rest of verse 11 goes in Revelation 12. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Mm. So yeah. even in the face of suffering, in the face of death, they still 
proclaim the message of the kingdom. Yeah. And that is triumph. Um, triumphant of Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I think there's a connection there. I do wonder why the language of dragon is used. Because I don't know, I don't know where else in the Bible do you get that language of dragon. Do you know what I mean? And when I think of dragon, I think, you know, this is not a racial thing. <laughs> but I think of like, I wasn't going to make it a racial thing. <laughs> I think I've got to, but I'm going to preface it with that. I think of Eastern, Eastern beliefs and kind yeah, of like, sure. particularly, you know, like Asian, you know. Well, you know, there are lots of European dragons. Okay. Yeah. There are uh, I, I didn't. I, yeah, yeah. There's, there's dragons in almost every culture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. So not just Eastern. <laughs> I've prefaced. Hey, hey, hey. I, I, I take, I see nothing wrong with this reference, Pip. You're the one I, who's disclaimering it. I'm wondering, I'm wondering where in the Jewish thinking of things yes. does the dragon come, uh, does the dragon come? Because there is a book in the uh, Apocrypha, the dragon. The bell and the dragon. The bell and the dragon. Yes. Well, there's a Leviathan. Yes. Uh, like a sea dragon in, yeah. uh, I think in Job and in Psalms. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to know where this dragon language came from. Because yeah. it doesn't... I don't think it's in the Old Testament, really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, from memory, don't I don't know. Listeners, know. if you know where there's a dragon in the Maybe in Jude. Old Testament... Would there be a dragon in Jude, do you think? In Jude? There could be. Jude's yeah. pretty... <laughs> <laughs> Jude's pretty out there. There's going to be influence. Um, yes. Just have a quick look. No, no dragon. <laughs> We just go through every page. No, there is no dragon. Is there a dragon here? I don't think so. Oh, there might be. Is there a dragon here? Uh, no. Is there a dragon in Jude? Where's the dragon? Where's the dragons in Revelation twelve? How to find a dragon? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's interesting that uh, from what I uh, um, um, from what I know, Mm. dragon is only referenced in Revelation. Now that could be wrong. Feel, please correct me. Please correct me. Yeah, right, listeners. Yes. I wonder what's the deal. Yeah, it is interesting as well, because if you think about the numbers that are here, they have significance, don't they? So, revelation, uh, apocalyptic literature, filled with rich imagery and symbolism. When you look at uh, the the, the woman, verse 1, who's crowned with 12 stars on her head, Mm. 12 is the number of Israel. And so, the woman here could be symbolizing Israel because of the crown of, uh, sorry, yeah, crown of 12 stars. Um, but then you think about the dragon. The dragon has seven heads. Seven is God's number. Mm. And you've got ten horns. Ten is a number of completeness. And I've, I've heard it interpreted as well, you know. Um, oh, what was it? Rome? Okay, now this is off the top of my head, listeners and viewers, so I might be totally wrong about this, but something like Rome is the city on ten hills or something like that. And so the dragon, even though we know it is uh, ultimately representing Satan, it could also be synonymous with Rome opposing israel and the people mm. of god so yeah it's interesting that what these numbers and stuff mean and so also the 1260 days that's i think that's three and a half years mm. something like that so yeah. it's half of seven yeah seven being god's number yeah. so half of god's number so anyway incidentally this all reminds me of um discussions we've had recently about uh dispensationalism like pre-millennialism you know what i'm talking about Pre, yeah, I want you to say pre millennialism. Yeah, nice. A millennialism. Yes, and uh, the other and the post millennialism. Yeah, nice. And do you I, want to explain what those terms mean? So, so there's an, a thousand years, a millennium mm-hmm. uh, referenced in Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, a, a thousand years of Jesus' reign. Mm-hmm. Now, some people take uh, 
pre-millennialists. It's all to do with um, the pre is referencing what's the relationship in time between Jesus' 1,000-year reign and the final judgment where, you know, the Christians go to be with Jesus in new creation. Um, those judge, those sentenced to hell, you know, that's their final destination. Um, pre-millennialists would say that um, the millennium comes before... Is that right? No. Is that right? Have I got that right? The millennium comes before the final judgment is pre-millennialism. Oh, sorry. I think sorry. that's right. So it's, it's if I can just yeah, yeah. nuance it slightly, it's it's when is the return of Jesus. Okay. Um, at least in its first form, if it's yeah, pre-millennialism. Right. So um, uh, it, new creation will still yeah, yeah. be there. Revelation 21, 22. Revelation 20, you've got this thousand years yeah. of Jesus' reign where Satan's locked up. Yeah. Right. Um, when does this happen in the timeline of Jesus's return? Yeah. So okay. there's premillennialism, which is that there is some kind of set of events that happen, um, including Jesus's return before the millennium. Yeah. And then, sorry, you keep going. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's post of the millennium comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's got your thousand year reign, and then Jesus returns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a r millennialism, which is basically. Uh, you know, it's not a literal thousand years, it's a period of time, and we are, you know, currently in it. Mm. And then there's the fourth one that people joke about all the time. Have you heard this joke? No, what's that? There's pan-millennialism, which means it'll all just pan out in the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And like, I didn't come yeah. up with that. Like, yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, yeah, a lot of people just probably subscribe to that unconsciously without you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. So, um, but you're making a point about this, yeah. My point was that, like, um, I think... Probably more people than I realize subscribe to um, pre-millennialism. I've been listening to some people, like particularly people in the States, like um, mm-hmm. Albert Moeller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who, and, and, and like, you know, a lot of those kind of like, bap- like Baptists, mm-hmm. kind of the fa- like a lot of the famous kind of American preachers who would say pre-millennialism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like... I don't know what, like whether that's just like a cultural her- like a, <laughs> a legacy thing or, or what, like I because th- I listened to I was listening to Albert Moeller on mm. a podcast and he was saying his justification for it it seemed really uh, like sketchy it seemed like he, his basic argument was like um, you know history is building to this point where Christians get to see what <clears throat> what the garden would have been like what life would be like when Jesus is in, in control and reigning. And then we go to our our final state. It doesn't seem very scriptural to me. You know, what I mean? seems mm. kind of flimsy. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely I, I would describe myself as a a millennialist. Mm. I think it's just you know it's not a literal thousand years. I don't think you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? I know that's a bit of a weird tangent. But... Uh, there's a lot of um, very smart men and women who subscribe to all well not all three hopefully but like one of the three yeah, yeah, yeah. um just an interesting historical note is that um so i didn't come up with this myself i read a paper that was sort of surveying the shift in american uh particularly southern baptist theology uh which is that for a long time um so think about the time of jonathan edwards you know <clears throat> you know 18th century most Theologians in America were post-millennialist, right. believing that there'd be this, uh, you know, whether it was a literal thousand years or a metaphorical thousand years, this um, amazing time of 
prosperity and the expansion and the reign of Jesus as you could see the kingdom of God expanding on earth. And then he would return and inaugurate the, the new creation. Yeah. But what happened was, uh, again, this is what the paper was saying, in the 19th century, uh, there was a deep pessimism that overcame a lot of American Christians as they realized that things weren't going particularly well for Christians. There was a lot of opposition, particularly because of the Enlightenment. And so a lot of people became very pessimistic. Mm. And then out of that came a particular view, which you alluded to, called dispensationalism, which we haven't talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a very pessimistic view of culture um, that uh, was correlated with this, that basically said, no, there's going to be a time of deep suffering. Christians are going to be sapped up to heaven, something called the rapture, while that tribulation is happening. Mm. And then... Uh, World War One and World War Two in the course of the 20th century has helped cement this. Mm. It's a very interesting theory yeah, to say that yeah. a, an optimistic view of the spread of Christianity in the world was replaced with a pessimistic view, and that correlates with postmillennialism to premillennialism. Yeah. Now, whether or not that is actually what was going on there, I can't tell. I think that um, I need to do more thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one, yeah. It's it's kind of it's one of those ones where you gotta. Man, it's it's kind of out there. That's right. Know? But dispensationalism. Yes. The you, way want to, you want to talk about this? The way I'll explain it, right? Yes. Imagine, so dispensation. Yes. Dispenser. Think of a, pe- a Pez dispenser. <laughs> right? yes. Think of a Pez dispenser. <laughs> Do we have a Tweety Bird? We here? got a Tweety Bird. Oh, Actually, Tweety imagine bird. that the imagine that the dispenser is God, and each of the bits of candy. Oh, no, okay. think go with All right, go on. Each of the bits of candy. It's an allotment of time. Yes. A period of history. Okay. And so it's like, that was, uh, law. <laughs> oh, that's the, this little piece of candy, that's the thousand year reign or whatever. Sure. And you put them all in their place. Yes. And you line them up and that's the, each, each little dispensation. Yes. Each little, you know, bit is a, a, a period of time that God has kind of set up, designated for a particular purpose. Yes. Um, you know, every day is a dispensation in my book. <laughs> every, every day you're getting a Pez from the Pez dispenser. Every day is a new day. Every day is a gift from God. Yeah. And you happily take it. Yeah. Big picture though. Mm. What we can say, whether you are our millennial, pre-millennial, post-millennial, big message of revelation, Jesus wins. Mm. He is king, he is Lord, and his kingdom wins. Yeah. And so I think that... That is something we can rest assured of and take comfort in. Nice. Good summary. Good summary of Revelation. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, What have you been reading? Uh, um, Let's go 1 Peter. 1 Peter. First Peter, if we are from other countries saying this. First 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 Petro. Petros. Petros. Yeah, go for it. Uh... 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. I'll just read it out. Uh, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So... The very interesting couple of verses here. So Peter's urging Christians to um, to abstain from sinful desires, to to say no to the sinful desires, and he describes these sinful desires as being active, waging war against your soul. 
Um, so it's interesting, interesting that like mm. the, the battle that we wage as a Christian um, is is one of the soul against sinful desires. Um, interesting in verse twelve, uh, you know, lives and he's talking about the relationship between Christians and the world around you. Live such good lives um, that though other people accuse you of doing wrong, and Christians are definitely being accused of doing a lot of wrong at the moment, uh, mainly in what we preach. Um, but also, you know, uh, in what we do, um, from, from time to time, um, uh, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Um, so I think sometimes, um, you know, we can, we, we sometimes separate the idea of like living a pure life or, or, or saying no to sin um, we can kind of we, we see that as an inherently good thing in and of itself, and it is. But here it's attached to the end times. Mm. There's like there's a uh, you know to use the language there's an eschatological uh, motive mm-hmm. for purity and saying no to sin. There's an end times reason mm-hmm. for saying no to sin, and it's to do with um, people giving glory to God and honoring God mm. um, because they see Christians and they say actually. Um, you know, their life laid bare, they live for God, they were genuinely, um, they, they sought to love God. Um, what I wrestle with and what came to mind when I was reading this was, what does it mean when it says live such good lives? Mm. Like, what does it mean to live a good life? Like, a, a, you could just read those two verses in isolation say, okay, uh, I'm going to keep going to church, I'm going to try and read my Bible, I'm going to be a decent sort of person. Um, that is so interesting because recently, so I've been doing Titus with some of our salt leaders mm. on um, Sunday mornings, mm. and this is the first time I've ever seen this. I think in Titus, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's 12 or 13 times in, that, in those three chapters mm. that Paul says, devote to doing good. Yeah. Or do good. Yes. Th- 13 times, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I was going, wow, he really, like, yeah, I need to rethink what I think the big message of Titus is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought Titus, like the big message was, you know, God is us. God, Jesus is our God and Savior, mm. who transforms us and trains us by grace. Yeah, to live a godly life. Yeah, I think that's still true. Yeah, totally, totally. But then this idea of doing good, yeah. devote yourselves to doing good. Yeah, I've just never seen how often it comes up in the three chapters, and so here to live such good lives. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. Peter now, not Paul. Yeah. Good lives. Yeah. What do and, you think? And, and Christians are often accused of just being do-gooders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if, if that's all that we are, yeah. then there is a problem there because we've got to also admit that there's more going on and we don't do good all the time. And so, you know, that can't be the complete picture. But Peter goes on to explain actually what he means by live such good lives in verses 13 to 17. He actually mm. gives the exact what he wants you to do. Yeah, so, gotcha. so, so there's content to this overarching title. Yeah, yeah. So he says, verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or the, as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Mm. And so there's like four relational things there in verse 17 to kind of sum up what he's just said. 
Um, respect everyone. Love the church. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. So in our context, that, that might mean, you know, res- respect society, everyone in, in society. Love you, you love the Christians that you know in your midst. Um, fear God, have, have a real relationship with God, fear him. Um, and honor the government, honor the prime minister, honor your local representatives. Do yeah. right, do right by them as well. There you go. Um, and it all, and then he goes on to talk about slaves and how my, how it kind of works in their context in relationship to their masters. Um, but it all flows into, um, it all flows into verse twenty one, and this is what you were talking about with the um, bringing Jesus into it. Verse twenty one. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself uh, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin, to live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Mm. And so we've got to understand what uh, living godly lives, we've got to understand it in the context of where we were. We were like sheep going astray. We were dead in sin. Um, But because Jesus died on the cross, because he bore our sin on himself, he freed us to live lives like Jesus, lives of humility, submission, submission. lives of purity, saying no to sin. Um, and, you know, the outcome of that is that we we honour God, we fear God, we love others, we respect others, we love the church, we honour our, uh, respect our authorities. Um, and it's because God is the judge. Mm. God is the just judge. And again, it brings in that um, kind of eschatological reason. Mm. So not only... Is there going to be a response from uh, people who are non-believers uh, on on that day, that judgment day? There's also going to be a response from God mm. as He judges um, people's actions. He judges yes. everyone. It's, it's really interesting. All very helpful stuff you're saying there. With that, the idea of we call people to glorify God with their lives now, but verse twelve calls them to glorify God on the day He visits us. In other words, mm. in that future day when Jesus returns, that your present deeds will also have a future glory for God as well. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that. It, like when, when you're struggling in sin, or you know, when when temptation comes at you, the knowledge that that moment is is either going to be a moment that honours or dishonours God in the future mm. when it's kind of, you know, when God judges, the when God lays bare all the deeds and words that have ever been done and said, like, that that, that is a help in that moment of temptation because it's like, yes. um, yeah, it really anchors you in both the past, Jesus' death, and he's, he's freeing you from um, the power of sin, mm-hmm. but also points you forward to that final day when God judges the world and people um, get to see what God's people are like. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Times. Um, shall we keep the ball rolling 
and go to a guess who? Let's do it. Listeners, it's time for us to play guess who. The last one for this season. Pip, I have a character for you. I'm ready. I don't know how much I know about this character, to be honest, but let's do it. Okay, 20 questions. 20 questions. Listeners, are you playing along? All right. Question numero uno. <laughs> numero uno. Yeah, very good. Number one. Number one. Uh, is this a real person? Yes. Like, like a person that actually lived in history? Yes. Okay. Question number two. Um, is this person a male? Yes. Question number three. Did this person die for my sin? No. Okay, ruling out Jesus. <laughs> ruling out Jesus early on is always good. Because you don't want to be stuck with that one. Uh, question number four. Does this person um, appear... In appear physically in the New Testament. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, does this person appear? Uh, oh, does this person appear pre Abraham's birth? No. Does this person appear pre-Moses' birth? No. Does this person appear pre-David's birth? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> um, does this person... Wait, wait, wait. You've got seven fingers up. You've got eight? I've got eight. We'll, we'll go with you. Wait, wait, wait. Is it seven no, I'm, or eight? I'm bad at counting. Oh, okay, eight. sure. Um, <laughs> Okay, all right, this is helpful. This is all very helpful. Um, is this person um, pre... Hmm. Oh, okay. Does this person appear in the book of Ruth? No. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Oh, oh, oh. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. All right, all right. We'll see about that. Um, <laughs> um, so okay, so before before check my reference before, no. before David before David, um, but after after uh, Moses. Okay, let me ask you this question. Please do. All right, this question is going to be a doozy. Um, does this person appear uh, after Saul becomes king? No. Oh. oh okay. So all right. Ten questions, listeners. We've got right, ten left. All right, all right. Ten left. Okay. So I'm gonna just like narrow this down a tad. <laughs> Does this person appear in the book of? Does this person live during the lifetime of Samuel? No. Does this person appear in the book of Joshua? I think so. Oh, okay. I think so. Okay, okay, okay. Is this person... When did the judges start? They were in... The judges started in judges, right? Is this person a judge? No. Okay, they're not a judge. Does this person appear in the book of Judges? No. Okay, so it's just Josh, so it's Joshua mainly. Oh, okay. But, um... Because it goes Ruth. Because it goes... Okay, so it's not Ruth, but Joshua, yes. But... Hold the phone. Because it could be after Moses, but it could be... Does this person appear in the book of Deuteronomy? I think so. Oh, okay. This is interesting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got a Deuteronomy, Joshua, <laughs> mix here. <laughs> Which... Okay, never mind. I won't say anything. Five questions left. 
Five questions. Yeah, you've done 15. I've got totally five. been wasting my time, haven't no, I? No, 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 no. I think um, you've narrowed it down very well. I've narrowed it down, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Uh, all right, so what I'm thinking... Um, okay. So I've got four questions, and one of these has to be a guess. Okay, this is pretty niche. All right. All right, let me just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's a male. That's interesting. That is an interesting point. Okay. Um, did this person have a leadership role within Israel? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. Mm. So, there you go. 16. Um, is this person a um, a Levite? No. Mm. I don't think so. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I'm just throwing away. <laughs> you got three questions left. Is this does this person appear in a negative light? No. Oh, no negative because I was thinking maybe Cora. Cora's rebellion. You know what I'm saying? I don't I can't remember when that was. Was that Deuteronomy? I don't know. Is that a question? Um, <laughs> you got two questions left. Uh, 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 uh. One of these has to be a guess. Um Alright. Okay. Can I help you out of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so <laughs> between Moses and David, yeah, possibly Deuteronomy, possibly Joshua, yeah, positive uh, light. Not many people, yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's good, all I'm going to say. That's a good point. Yes, but no leadership role. Because <clears throat> I was also thinking Aaron, but he probably had a relationship role. <laughs> Is that an accurate? <laughs> Not many people use so. Not many. Because that kind of makes me feel a bit... <laughs> <laughs> There's not many people. Let me put it this way. Someone like Jack right now we'll is be, going... We'd be going... I got it. What's going on? Mike's what's probably going, going, I got it. What's going on? That's right. Pre-Josh. Tony Kong's probably going, I got it. Post-Moses. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. No, 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 no. But I do feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ah, that's good fun. I'm gonna keep be kicking myself because I'm going all I'm going all blank on this one. No, that's um, right. I will say mm, one last thing. I'm gonna say. Okay. It's interesting. You thought Cora's for Cora's rebellion. Mm. I'm just gonna say it's interesting. You thought it was interesting. That I thought it was interesting because it means that you know something about the. Uh, I mean, you know some things. Oh but yes. It means you know something about that time in with them. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> 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 Um, you know. Okay, now officially you have established that Pip's guess who's <laughs> are the longer ones. Yes. Um, all right, all right, all right. Um, is this person... <clears throat> there's no leadership role. Okay, so is this person... Does this person do anything? <laughs> Does this... No, 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 that's my question. Does this person... Um, is this person mentioned more than twice, do you reckon? Yes. Okay. Mm, that's interesting. Okay, now you can only do a guess. Uh, 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 uh. Um, mm, yes. Male? Yeah. After Moses' birth? Yeah. Before. Mentioned more than twice? Yeah, because it's named. Deuteronomy, Joshua, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Positive light? So it's not Joshua. The only name that comes to mind 
Uh, shows. I should go back and actually read these books, shouldn't I? That's okay. Caleb? Yes! Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh my goodness, you got it! You got it! Oh! Pip oh. just did a, ra- a laugh of the oh. oh my goodness, you got oh, it! Oh, that was a real Hail Mary. You got right. it! Yeah, oh, yeah. good on you, mate. Oh, man. I'm so proud of you. Oh, you did well. Caleb. That was the Holy Spirit just coming <laughs> Someone was whispering my ear, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. <laughs> That's sorry. right, ladies and gentlemen. Caleb. Now, does he appear in Joshua? I've forgotten. I'm pretty sure that when God... Because Caleb and Joshua, numbers, yes. uh, like 11, 12, or 13, they go into the promised land yeah. uh, with 10 other spies. 10 of them come back and say, we're not happy. We don't want to go in. They complain. God says that apart from Joshua and Caleb, none of them will see the promised land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure Caleb shows up in the book of Joshua. Um, I, th- I think that would make sense, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But in any case, there you go. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very good. I'm just checking. Caleb's not in Hebrews 11, is he? No, he's not. No. You know what? I'm just going to quickly check whether or not... <laughs> Caleb shows up in Joshua. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure he would. But listeners, I'm just doing a quick search. He does! Okay. Yes. I yes. can't believe I got that, to be honest. No, you did it. Good work. Oh, hectic. You did very well. Good work, good work. Okay, listeners, well, that was another week of Guess Who. We would love to get some suggestions for Guess Who uh, names to put forward. Mm. Um, so you can email us at the Bible Boys at gmail.com that's boys with a z mm. um or you can message us on instagram at bible underscore boys or you can text me directly if you have my phone number <laughs> um there you go now, hey do, do you have family who listen to the podcast uh look i might i think my mum does occasionally oh welcome rowena hello I really uh, i know yeah. Yeah, yeah um okay there you go so uh i wanted to ask you yes Pip, What's a ministry principle that you learnt or oh. have learnt that would be good to share yes. uh, for our listeners? So, yes. why don't I give you some thinking music? Okay, because one did pop into my head. Bum, bum, one did bum, pop into my bum, head. What bum, was it? Bum, oh, bum, what was it? Bum, what was it? Bum, 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 yes, yes. Okay. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Are we playing Guess Who again? Ministry principle? Yes, here we go. Pip. Um, okay. Here's a principle. And it's a bit it's a bit out there, but just just roll with it, right? Um, and I think I've kind of said it before. <laughs> it's okay if you have. So what I want to say is this word curiosity. Curiosity. I don't think you have talked about this before. Uh, go. Curiosity as a leader, I think is good. Um if you're involved in a ministry and you're even uh, if you're a team member or if you're a team leader, having a re- like a lot of trying to foster a lo- whole lot of curiosity about the ministry you're in and particularly the Bible is very helpful. If you're leading kids ministry or youth ministry, kids and youth are very curious people. They're going to ask a lot of weird questions from a text. And so I'd encourage you as you as you read the Bible, try to be super curious about it mm. and try to ask lots of questions of the text. And don't be afraid to ask questions, um, even questions that you know are dangerous questions to ask, mm. or questions that even you've had 
you know, a, a set answer to for a number of years, don't be afraid to like, keep asking the question and keep exploring it. Um, what I would also say is sometimes you'll find yourself leading a group of people who, have, who aren't very curious at all about the Bible. And that's, I, I feel like that, could be, that can be a sign of spiritual um, uh, stillness, uh, I guess, like people who, who are maybe who are coasting, they've got no real interest in the Bible or, you know, no curiosity about like asking questions of it. You as a leader, um, if you're, maybe that's, maybe you're in a youth group situation, that's the case. Maybe you're leading an adult Bible study or something like that. Um, you yourself modeling curiosity and, and not having all the answers as you come into Bible study, but maybe being something like, I, I've had this question. What do you guys think of this? I don't have an answer to it just yet, but what do you think? Don't be afraid to ask questions to your group that you don't have an answer to just yet. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask questions about your ministry. What What do you think would happen if we did this? What do you think, you know, could could the group or could the youth group or the kids club or whatever, could it improve if we did this? What would happen if we did this? Why do we do this? Um, yeah, just asking really simple questions that might seem obvious, but you don't have, you don't have a, exact answer to in your mind really mm. good. yeah no it's really helpful because i also feel something that stems from that is if you're not curious it's very hard for you to grow because mm. uh, you won't think that you won't want to pursue or discover what it is that you're not doing very well yeah or yeah. what shortcomings or failings that you have yeah um curiosity um there's good curiosity yeah, there's yeah. A desire to grow and learn yeah i think there's also, curiosity that just desires new things, yeah. novelty. Yeah, yeah, and I think which is not a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, yes. I, like someone did ask me recently, though, like you know, in terms of Christian books, you know, uh, how do you decide what to what to read, or like any recommended any recommendations? Uh, uh, like just giving books that I like to read. Mm. You know, I don't know what they're gonna like to read. So I think, um, you know, one thing I said to them was, do you have any questions about Christianity? Like this person is a Christian, long-time Christian. And I was just like, do you, you know, what, what questions are kind of in your mind at the moment about the Bible, about Christianity? Mm. And maybe that's a topic area to explore. Like if, if mm. like I've, I've, I have the question about heaven and hell all the time. Like what, you know, what do I really believe about heaven and hell? Um, in you know what's it going to be like when's it going to be like what's it, you know the timeline of it all and um what does the bible say about it what does jesus say what does paul say about it that feel like that curiosity fuels a bit of reading uh yeah so i'd say like yeah Re- reading and if your question is how do i live you know um I, I just want a general you know book that's going to inspire me and it's going to motivate me as a christian and, and it's going to just be a, a generally like a solid book they're, they're great as well. But the mm. question that comes is, well, you know, how do I grow, like, you know, what's some truth that's going to help me to grow as a Christian? Mm. Well, then, you know, a book like, you know, A Desire in God or something like that um, might be extremely helpful. Yeah, you know? nice. Yeah. I like it. Thank you very much, Pip. That's helpful. Yeah, yeah. So what's been happening? Is there anything you'd like to share? A fun story? Something that you've been up to? Um, what have you been up to? I've been... Here's, here's the thing, James. Um, yes. So, Soph and I, we were sick oh, uh, a couple of days ago. Sorry to hear that. Um, I won't disclose with what. Okay, sure. Um, Coronavirus. Yeah, well, you yeah, know. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> um, but I have watched a couple of movies. Oh. 
Uh, Denzel Washington movies, actually. Man on Fire? I haven't seen Man on Fire. No. Yes. I've seen... Um, have you seen The Equalizer? I haven't. Equalizer 2? <laughs> no, I have not. Um, That's right. Yeah. Remember yeah. the Titans? Was that him? I don't know about that one. Oh. No. Not Coach Cut. No, that's Samuel Jackson. Samuel, yeah. Remember the Titans, I think it is Denzel Washington. I might be wrong. But anyway. Denzel Washington. Fantastic actor. Yeah. I've underrated him in the past. Yeah, there you go. And from now on, I will properly rate him. Oh, very good. Um, and the Equalizer is an action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He equalizes people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, make it that way you will. Yeah, gotcha. I also watched uh, John Wick 1. Oh, yeah. Is John Wick? I have not. Um, yeah. No, it's yes. good. I've heard Keanu Reeves is great in 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's good. It is good. Yes, yes, yes. What about you, James? What have you been up to? Um, I have been watching... Um, I started watching The Office, actually. Oh, yeah? yeah? Which I thought would interest you. I'm not going very quickly. I'm just doing one episode every now and then. First season, it's a bit hard to watch. I just... It's very cringy. Yeah, yeah. Going, I mean, it's more like shock humor and just... Yep. I think I need to get to know these characters a bit more. Well, I, I think what you'll find is the character, particularly the character of Michael Scott... Sure. ...changes drastically in the oh. first three seasons. Right. Because I think what they were trying to do was just to base it off the British office, where it's all cringe humor. It's all everyone hates the boss. Um, whereas it wasn't quite working, I think, in the US. And so from seasons one to three, Michael becomes a character that you love... Uh, really it's not a not, not a character that you hate there yeah. you go yeah hey i look forward to that so then. keep watching keep watching yes. there is some gold in the first season for oh, sure okay but yeah we'll see we'll see I'll, I'll let you know because i know you're a big fan oh, of it. the office I love it. um so I'm, I'm doing that viv and i are still continuing on with west wing mm. um yeah it's going well i have a story i wanted to share though and i want you to tell me how sad this is okay. on the sadness meetup sure okay so Two weeks ago. This is a two weeks ago story. Two weeks ago at church, we like eating cake at mm. St. Paul's. And so there was this salted caramel cheesecake. Ooh, yeah. Right? Very, very good cake on a Monday. And we were eating it. Yes. Anyway, Tuesday, I was mostly out and about doing some, you know, work and meetups and stuff. Yeah. But I spied... With my little eye in the morning, mm. that there was one slice left oh, in the in the admin building kitchen. Yes, and so it was pouring rain. Yeah, was this two weeks ago? Was this one week ago? I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, and you gotta I, eat it. You I came back to church. Yeah. Just to eat the slice of cake. Oh, man. So I got the slice, yeah. and it was there. Yeah. And I sat in the dark. Yes. It was a, you know, a, oh, it was raining, so it wasn't very sunny. I yeah. sat. I didn't even have my phone out, and I was just eating salted caramel cheesecake. Were you alone in the church? I was alone in the admin building. Right. Now, yeah. here's my question for yeah. you. On the sadness meter, yeah. how sad was that? I'm going to say, that is a steward little one. <laughs> <laughs> so... it's sad it is don't get me wrong i i i'm crying i'm cried watching it the first time i'll probably cry watching again but it's there's also a spark of joy in it that's it some caramel cheesecake michael j fox is Stuart little's voice that's it hugh laurie and gina davis come on yeah anyway hugh laurie what a man yeah anyway but i really really liked that salted caramel cheesecake Mm. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, get a chocolate cake tomorrow night. 
Tomorrow's my birthday. Oh, what? No, it's not a big deal. Oh, James, I should have brought a birthday. Okay. Okay. That's it. 25th that, of March. Yes. Oh, 25th of March. That's you know it. what? That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Because cool. you know what my birthday is? When? The 25th of March. Really? No, it's, the 20, <laughs> it's, it's the 28th of March. Really? On Sunday, yeah. Oh, so we should have done a joint. Yes, that's right. This should be the birthday. Now, on the, on the sad dometer meter, how sad would it be if we both sang happy birthday right now to each other? At the same time, that's, no, that's, that's that's more like um, that's more like Saving Private Ryan. So that's just sad <laughs> and a little bit and not appropriate. For you know this what I'm gonna do? Format. I'm gonna call the title of this episode the Odd Birthdays, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, it's all about birthdays." We're talking about dragons and <laughs> for the first half, Odd Birthdays. That's yeah. right, that's right. But it's my birthday tomorrow. Nice. Your birthday on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Do you have yeah. anything planned? No, you... no, 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 no. <laughs> no, nah, just church. And um, but I might go out on yeah, Saturday. Nice. We'll, we'll see what yeah. Go do something. I'm turning. I'm turning 26. I'm turning 28. Yeah, they're a bit non-birthday. Don't they? <laughs> They'd be like, Meh. that's it. You that's know? it. You know, 25th of March um is a significant date for a few reasons. Oh yeah. One is it's nine months before Christmas. So. Oh exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Nine months before Christmas. Now, whether or not Jesus was born on the 25th of December, probably not. But you know, um. Wait, what are you thinking? What are your eyes? Your eyes? Um, uh, keep going. I was going to say, yeah, so 25th of March is when in the um, Anglican sort of church calendar, you remember how the angel appeared to Mary and announced to her that um, she would um, give birth um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's when we remember the Annunciation. Mm. The second thing that's really um, significant about March 25th, more so than my birthday, is that in Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien's sort of calendar of the Lord of the Rings, it was the date that the One Ring was destroyed. Sorry, say so, so that again? It's the date in Tolkien's, like, calendar yeah. when Frodo dropped the One Ring into... Well, excuse me, that's not true. That's not how the story goes. When Gollum was dancing and fell with the One Ring into the fires of Mount Doom and the One Ring was destroyed. Um, so I'm going to have to get the sadometer back out again, <laughs> because you knowing that <laughs> could be the saddest thing that has been said on this podcast, to be honest. I love it. Right. Yes. Hey, it's, it's very important that Gollum accidentally fell into the fires of Mount Doom than what Peter Jackson did in the films, where Frodo has sort of like a struggle and pushes Gollum off. Mm. It's very important. You know, Peter Jackson went in a submarine to the very bottom of the ocean when he was doing Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got your directors wrong there, so... What are you talking about? Mr. James Cameron. Oh, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So, not, not, not a Lord of the Rings fan? Think I'm a bit of a nerd? I look sad. Look, you know, you're asking for it. If, you, if you're whipping out facts like that, That's you're it. asking for it. That's right? it. But yeah, happy birthday to you on Sunday. Happy birthday to you for tomorrow. So Thank you. Are you going out doing a big thing? Uh, we will do Viv's family tomorrow night, and then we'll do my family on Saturday night. Oh, so cool. that'll be good fun, and there'll be chocolate cake. So looking forward to that. Best present you've ever been given? Oh, as a birthday present? Yeah, best birthday present or Christmas present? Oh, man. <laughs> the gift that is in your mind right now. To be honest, ah, oh, this is a bad one. Oh, it's not bad because of the gift. Nintendo Wii. I remember oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2006, Nintendo Wii. Oh, it was, I was like, mom, I know this comes out in November. Yeah, Can this yeah. count as my Christmas present? Yeah. The excitement 
the joy of going and getting it and then coming home and putting it all together. Yeah. So, anyway, what about you? Um, I could an acoustic guitar. Oh, there you go. Was that in high school? No, that was re- that was like a few years ago. So I oh, got me nice. an acoustic guitar because I really wanted one. Love it. Did you know how to play guitar already? Yeah, yeah. I like to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, not good, but I know enough to play songs that are, you know, just a little bit above annoying. Yeah, gotcha. So it's not annoying when I play guitar. Yeah, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. At least I don't good. think so. Good. 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 Yeah. Great. Well, listeners, that's it for this season of the Bug Boys. Thank you so much for listening, watching, tuning in, diving into the Bible. Uh, We will be back in a few weeks' time. Stay tuned on your podcast feeds. But why not use these next few weeks as a chance to share us with your friends so they can experience the might, the wonder, the magic, the fun of the Bible Boys. See you later. Bye.